We're in 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. You know, one of the great difficulties about preaching is that in the passage that you're dealing with, there is always so much truth, and it spreads out in so many different directions. There just isn't time, nor is there the possibility to, to cover it all. In fact, you're not even covering any of it. You're just scratching the surface of what's actually there. And this is such a full passage of Scripture. But let's see where the Spirit of God will take us this morning in this particular passage. What a marvelous passage it is. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are, are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the others the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. The English language is a marvelous thing. Shakespeare said that there was no thought that he could think in his mind that he could not communicate with the English language. Well, I think that's funny because he's the guy that made up a whole bunch of words when he was writing. So I don't understand what that really means. But he said it, was, it would always come to mind he, the English language could, could express any thought he could think. I don't know if we actually speak that kind of English language anymore. We kind of dumb things down, I guess you might say. And we actually, instead of using words in the English language, we use tones. We use emphasis on different words and syllables. We call that the inflection of our voice. And with the inflection of our voice, we change the meaning of the words and what we're saying. If I say the same four words in the exact same order, I can, I can communicate entirely opposite meanings. Okay? You understand this? If you don't, I'll explain it to you. I'll give you, I'll say four words in the exact same order and communicate four or three separate meanings. If I say, what does that smell? I'm curious, right? If I say, what is that smell? means I'm hungry. What are we eating here? What did I smell? If I say, what is that smell? Do you see? Same four words. My inflection changes the meaning entirely. Do you understand that? Okay. This is the title of our message this morning. Those four words. What is that smell? What inflection should be used for you should be determined by the Holy Spirit this morning. Let the Holy Spirit determine what exactly inflection applies to me. What is that smell? 
Let's pray. Father, we bless your name. I'm thankful that we were able to gather here and sing and worship your good grace in our life. I am thankful that we are brothers and sisters in Christ who each have a copy of the word, your precious word. I am thankful that you have given the Holy Spirit who is in charge of making things take place in our hearts this morning. And as simply and humbly as we know how, Father, we have come for all of those things to work together for our good, for the glory of the Lord Jesus. So in faith, we thank you for what you have done and what you are about to do. For we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If we quickly read through this passage, and that often is what we do, when we read our Bible, we, we're moving at a little faster pace than we probably ought to, and a quick reading of this passage, we will give it the proverbial nod of agreement. Yep, good, I like that. Without ever actually thinking about what it means. We catch the surface meaning of it, say, yep, I agree, that's cool, good, great, and on that we go to the next verses, the next chapter, or whatever else in our day. And we never actually figured out, what is this saying? What does this actually, truly, deeply mean? And how does it apply to me? So let's in six points this morning. We'll have six points. We won't be here a long time. Six points. See if we can't get the actual meaning in a greater way than what we would just in a quick reading. Number one, Christ is the sweet savor that God the Father loves. Now, I'm going to use the word savor. Do not confuse it with the word savior. Okay, there's an I in savior. There's not in savor. Savor is a smell. It is a fragrance. It is an odor. Savor. Okay, that's the word here that we'll be using. And I'll use that frequently. Do not mistake it with the word savior, which is someone who saves. Savor is a fragrance, okay? Christ is a sweet savor that God the Father loves. They're referring to someone like a, their life, sorry, in referring to someone's life as a fragrance, it's a fairly common thing. It's both done in the scripture and in the world itself. You have read poetry and so forth. They will describe the fragrance of someone's life. In the scripture, it is used over and over again. It is symbolized multiple times in the Old Testament sacrifices and laws. Song of Solomon refers to it multiple times. In Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 2, is one of the verses we memorized on Wednesday night. It says that Christ hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Not savior, savor. The fragrance, the smell, a sweet-smelling fragrance. The Old Testament sacrifices went up to God as a, a sweet-smelling savor. Now, ask yourself. What, if, if we're talking about life as a fragrance, the fragrance that we put off in our life, what did God the Father think of the fragrance of Christ's life? 
Okay, that's a pretty straightforward, easy question. What did God the Father think of the smell, the fragrance, the odor that came from Christ's life? Well, the Father, his death was also perfect. His death was not one filled with bitterness or greed or selfishness or regret. His death was one of selfless obedience to the Father. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, how do we know that both Christ's life and Christ's death were a sweet-smelling savor to God? How do we know this? Well, the answer is actually fairly easy. Three days after Christ died on the cross, what happened? God the Father raised him from the dead. Now, I was contemplating this. I don't know if I've ever contemplated this before because it's not something that would have happened. What if God the Father would have been displeased with God the Son? What if the fragrance had not been perfect? Do you know what would happen? He would have laid in that grave till the judgment day for the rest of Adam's race. I had never contemplated that before. When he came from heaven and took on flesh, if he would have sinned, if that fragrance, then he would have been part of the condemned race. Do you understand that? That takes my mind into a place I'd never been before. This was not just some, well, if it didn't happen, I'll go back to heaven and, well, that was a failed deal. This was a deal breaker. But this did not happen. God the Father smelled the fragrance of Christ's life and raised him from the dead. I think that's pretty clear. Christ is the sweet savor that God the Father loves. Number two, Christ is the fragrance of life and death. Christ is the fragrance of life and death. God the Father loves the fragrance of Christ's life. But to mankind, it is the fragrance of life and death. See if we can get a handle on this. Christ's life is the fragrance of life. Christ is the fragrance of life and death. I live a pretty sheltered world, always have. My life consists of working for this church, working for the Lord through this church. It is my life. Okay? There's no real other life other than there's nothing. It's not just something I do. It's something I am. Does it make sense to you? It's, it's my whole life. I'm either here or else I'm at home, basically. I'm either doing the work here or I'm with my own family or I'm at home. That's pretty much my life. I rarely, whenever I'm around, I'm around God's people all the time. If I'm around people who do not know the Lord, generally speaking, it's in my capacity as pastor. Does it make sense to you? Which puts a whole different spin on things, by the way. When someone knows that you're a pastor, they're whole, it's a different deal. So, admittedly, I live a very sheltered life. I am continually around God's people. And any of my interactions that go very deep are in the realm of that. 
this week I needed some stuffed monkeys, gorillas, for, um, stuffed animals for the parade. So I went to what mom calls the digger Goodwill, which is on the south side where you got to dig through all these bins to find stuff. And there normally those things are pretty easy to find. So I ran there very quickly to get one. I needed a half dozen of them, but I, only, I could only find one. While I was there, a, they started changing out the roads. If you've ever been there, they change out the roads. And they got new COVID regulations and all this. And so I hadn't been there in all their COVID regulations. But I knew, saw the new bins were coming out. I thought, well, maybe there'll be one of those in that bin. So I waited. So there was a group of us standing there waiting for these bins to come out. And there was a guy. He's probably 15 feet away from me. He was kind of with a loud mouth. You know what I'm talking about? You know what a loud mouth is? Don't look at me so <laughs> He was kind of a loud mouth. He's, he liked to talk his voice so that the whole place could hear him and hear everything he was saying because, you know, the, the type. Anyway, he's not talking with anybody. He wasn't talking to me for sure, but he wasn't really talking with anybody, but maybe the people around him. And one of the bins comes rolling out. And if you've ever been there, you're trying to figure out if there's anything good in there to see if that's the bin you want to go to. And the bin comes out, and it was obviously one of these that's got nothing in it that anybody wants. And that guy, at a voice that could be heard through this entire building, used the name of our Savior just flat out. That's all he said. The name of our Savior. I didn't know what to do. He wasn't part of my conversation. I have been unsettled about that because uh, it's just not something that happens in my world. I was, I, I didn't know, I had been running that scene through my mind trying to figure out what is your proper response here? What, do, what should I have done? What could I have done? He used the name of the Lord as a cuss word. So the whole place could hear, and I was standing there. I was 15 feet away, not part of the conversation. But it's, and I've been contemplating, it's been, it's, it has me unsettled. Do you understand what I mean by that? It's had me unsettled on the inside. But I've been contemplating the difference. Here there are two of us, not 15 feet apart. And to me, the name of Jesus Christ is so precious that whenever I say it, I feel like I ought to get down on my face before I do. To me, the name is so important that my entire life revolves around that name. To me, if God would give me the grace, I would choose that name over my own life itself. I think all of you understand that. And standing 15 feet away from me is a man who uses that name to describe something that totally irritates him and he despises. Why? Because the savor of Christ is life and death. Do you see that? For many of you in here, you came, we all started at the same place. We're all sinners. 
but we saw the person of the Lord Jesus. We smelled the fragrance of his life, and it became life unto us. And many in the world smell that exact same fragrance and despise it. It is not fit to be on this planet. That savor of Christ is death to them. For, that, for the life of Christ shows the shortcomings of our life. And his death shows what God the Father thinks of sin. And so for us, for some in this world, it is the fragrance of life. We have smelled it. And now we have life in him. And for many, it is the fragrance of death. It is a condemnation, and they despise it. Christ is sweet savor that the Father loves. And Christ is the savor of life and death. Number three, we are to carry the scent of Christ. In our passage that we're reading here, the passage we're discussing, it is, it's this, the savor that's being discussed is the scent that we carry. Look at the verses again here. Verse number 15. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that, that are saved and in them that are perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? God the Father loves the fragrance of Jesus Christ, his Son. He loves it so much that he has decided that all of us who come to Christ should carry that very same scent. Our lives should carry the scent of the Lord Jesus. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God the Father loves the fragrance of Christ so much that he wants all of his children to smell that way. He is working to conform us to the image of Christ that we might bear the scent of our Savior. That's point number three. We are to carry the scent of Christ. Number four, we are to be the savor of life and death. We are to be the savor of life and death. The fragrance of our lives should have an effect on the saved and on the unsaved alike. The smell of our life, the fragrance that comes off of our life, should have an effect on everybody we come in contact with, saved and unsaved. To the unsaved, that sweet smell of our life should be an attraction, not our work for the Lord. You know, we often try to, to draw people to Christ by our commitment to the Lord, our work for the Lord, how we sacrifice for the Lord, all the things we do for the Lord. 
We try to draw people to Christ that way. It doesn't ever work. You know why it doesn't work? Because the world is far more dedicated to their gods than we are. Just look. They'll pursue it to their own death, their gods. They're not impressed by that. What they are impressed by, the smell that draws them, is the work of God in us. What attracts men is God's work in our lives. When we have a life of peace in a troubled world, a life of contentment in a world of discontent, a life of love in a world of hate, a life of giving in a world of takers, a life of calm in a world of agitation, a life of Christ in the world of the devil. That is what men are looking for. The sweet smell of Christ's life coming from us should be a catalyst for men to find their life in Christ. Our life in Christ becomes, they, brings them to their life in Christ. Life unto life. course, just as those who despised the fragrance of Christ 2,000 years ago, those same people will despise the fragrance of Christ in you. But there will be some who smell that fragrance who say, that is life. And that is a smell that attracts me to the Savior. We should have the fragrance of life to the unsaved. We also, the fragrance of Christ should have an effect on the saved around us as well. We might call it death unto death. The life of Christ was a crucified life. The life of Christ was a selfless life. Over and over again, actually we read it quite a bit this morning even. Christ said, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do the things that please him. I seek my Father's will. Not my will be done, but thine be done. His life was a crucified life, a selfless life. And that should be the fragrance of our life as well. A life of the death of self. A life totally and completely surrendered to the will of God. We don't like to think about this. But the true, the reality is, it is when flowers are crushed that their fragrance comes forth mostly. Think about what that, just that statement. The most fragrance comes from a flower when it is crushed. Think about the alabaster box that they broke for the Lord. When the alabaster box was intact, Nobody smelled it. When the box was broken, what does the Bible say? The smell, the fragrance filled the house. We don't like to think about this, but it is the crucified life that brings forth the fragrance that the world needs to smell. It is that crucified life that our brothers and sisters in Christ need to smell. 
When our life is defined by the death of self, the fragrance of Christ bursts forth. And that fragrance of death will help our brothers and sisters in Christ to find their own crucified life. Death unto death. Ours, our life is supposed to be a savor of life and death. Life to the unsaved, that they see our life, they smell the sweet fragrance of Christ in life and are drawn to him. A fragrance of death to those, our brothers and sisters in Christ, this selfless life that causes them to see their need of a selfless life as well. Number one, Christ is the sweet savor that God the Father loves. Number two, Christ is the savor of life and death. Number three, we are to carry that same scent, the scent of Christ. Number four, we are to be the savor of life and death. Life in Christ to the unsaved, death to self to the saved. Number five, too often our smell is not Christ, but our own corrupt flesh unburied. Too often our smell is not Christ, but our corrupt flesh unburied. We live out in the country. They do not have regular garbage pickup in our neighborhood. So we are still burning our garbage. And so I'm kind of a lazy rascal, actually, and I hate to do it because it's a long ways back to where we burn. And so I have a whole bunch of garbage containers. And so we throw our garbage sacks into these garbage containers on the back deck. And so I try to burn like every once every two or three weeks. And that time came due this week. And so I opened up these garbage containers and started to haul the garbage to the back. I don't know what was in one of those things. <laughs> but I have to tell you, the smell that came out of that garbage container was so bad, I could not stay on the deck. It was so bad. I'm guessing there was a piece of meat in there that had, that had rot. You all, do I need to describe more? We're about to lunchtime here. All of you know exactly what I'm talking You can smell that smell in your head right now, right? Now, you take that same piece of meat, take it right out of the refrigerator, and put it on the grill. Can you smell that? There is nothing that I love better in this world than to smell a good piece of steak that's being grilled. That is like the smell of the world, right? There, that is, that's what you need. Same piece of meat, right? One left, it's all how, you, how it's been treated, how it's been handled. One stinks up my back deck to where I can't stay on it and repels everyone. The other is an attraction. Too often, we, the smell that comes out of our life is not the fragrance of Christ. I was thinking about Lazarus. Remember Lazarus? You remember the story of Lazarus? I love that story. 
Lazarus is sick, he dies. The Lord isn't there yet, and they were hoping the Lord would get there in time, but he intentionally didn't get there in time. So Lazarus is dead. They're all weeping, and the Lord shows up. The Lord goes to the grave, weeps at the grave, and then tells them to roll the stone away. And Lazarus' sister has a real important statement to make before they do this. And what is that important statement? <laughs> He's been dead how long? Four days. He's been dead four days and he stinks. If you roll that thing away, we are going to clear this place out. Because we will not be able, he's going to stink. You know, isn't it interesting? They rolled that stone away and Lazarus came out in newness of life. And what should have driven the crowd away did not. hard to get our mind to really wrap around this but too often no let's just let's put it on the bottom shelf here we call ourselves Christians right we name the name of Christ people know that we name the name of Christ and as dad mentioned in Sunday school that's supposed to be little Christ Christians is little Christ Therefore, they expect the smell that comes from us to be the savor of Christ, the savor that God loves. And what do they smell? The smell of the flesh unburied is a repulsion the world it drives people from the Lord you say it's just a small thing in my life it's just a small sin that I commit it's just to lose my temper is not that big of a deal to say an unkind word is not that big of a thing to live my life as I please is not that important to live in lust greed or bitterness to harbor envy or strife in our heart that's not a big deal in our mind that's not a big thing well it might not be if we weren't Christians but we name the name of Jesus Christ and what people smell in our life is what they associate with Jesus Christ. And my friend, that's a big thing. It is a repulsion to the world. And do you realize that instead of, if we don't have a crucified life, we have this living flesh life and that means death. It's life unto death for those around us. Because they smell that thinking it's Christ and are run from it. And that, my friend, is a very serious piece of business. Our life should be unto life. Our death should be unto death. And the people with the fragrance that they should smell from us should always be Jesus Christ. The fragrance that the Father loves. Is it any wonder that the world runs from Christ 
when all they smell is the smell of our flesh life breeding corruption in the world. How many people around you will be driven from Christ because your life of self stinks to the high heaven? Your life is their death, and that's no small thing. Number six, you cannot have the sweet fragrance of Christ in your own power. You cannot have the sweet fragrance of Christ in your own power. If you think that you are going to live in such a way on your own so to bring me people to Christ, forget it. If you think that you can analyze the fragrance of Christ's life and then match it, you've got another guest coming. When I was a first initial, just got into the ministry, just a brand new youth pastor, the real vogue were little these bracelets that everybody was wearing that said, what would Jesus do? You remember those? It was a real popular thing to do back in that time period. I cannot tell you how many times I saw teenagers wearing those bracelets doing things that absolutely God would despise. We can't figure these things out, and even if we could figure them out, we couldn't do them. We cannot analyze the life of Christ. We cannot get, figure out the formula and copy it. It would be like a Chinese knockoff of the original. Verse number 16 makes it very clear, that last phrase, who is sufficient for these things? Who is qualified to be life unto life and death unto death? Who is able for such a task? That's a rhetorical question, meaning it doesn't need an answer because the answer to that is nobody. Nobody's qualified. But verse number 14 tells us the solution. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior, the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. He causes us to triumph. He makes known the Savior of Christ through us everywhere we go. Jesus Christ is the only one who ever lived a perfect life. He is the only one who can live the Christian life. You cannot produce the fragrance of Christ on your own. But if you would submit that stubborn will of yours, if you would let God have his way, if you would trust him to do it, and you would obey what he says, then he will do what he's already determined to do. He loves the fragrance of Jesus Christ and desires to reveal that fragrance through you. Let me ask you this. Do you not believe the Holy Spirit is more than capable of accomplishing that in your life? Is the Holy Spirit so powerless that he cannot do such a thing that God the Father has determined? If you would but surrender to him and trust him to do it and obey what he says, then God the Father would do exactly what he already determined to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ, number one, is the sweet fragrance that the Father loves. Number two, he is the fragrance of life and death. Number three, we are to carry that fragrance of Christ. Number four, we are to be the savor of life and death to those around us. Number five, too often our smell is not Christ, 
but our corrupt flesh unburied. And six, you cannot produce the fragrance of Christ in your own power. To bring us full circle, the question really is this. This week, when the people around you, saved and unsaved, smell the fragrance of your life, what inflection will they use? What is that smell? What is that smell? Or what is that smell? Hmm. Let the Spirit of God answer that question in your heart this morning.